Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Oh, we're ready to do this. Let's roll. Polishing off the uh, last of my reef donkey. I got picked up when I was down in uh, Florida. It's uh, American Pale Ale. It's actually very good. And I'm a little disappointed that I can't just run out to a store here in Minnesota and grab it. So here's an excuse to go back to Florida. Anyways, welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganbill, your host. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to this week's recap and rant. I got a few days here as it was Labor Day weekend. It did not go how I thought it would go or planned it to go. Um, but I rolled with the punches. So... Uh, here in Minnesota, this would be the um, pretty much the official start of the hunting season for the most part. I know I know some bear hunters have been going since the first, but pretty much this is like when it kicks off. You know, doves open and early goose season um, that kind of kicks everything off. So, being a goose hunter, as you all know, um, yeah, I was pretty pumped up for it. Scouting was. I mean, less than stellar. We had had found, like, a week ago in scouting, we found a really good field that was, like, just great visibility for a migration day. So we get those molts starting to come back. And so we, we got permission for that and it was awesome. You know, we asked a farmer. He was super cool. I had to interrupt him while he's mowing the lawn. I hate that. But, you know, at least, I mean, at least he was around. We got to talk to him. So... 
he was like, yeah, well, somebody uh, is hunting that field across the road, but nobody's in that field right there. So, yeah, go go for it. We're like, sweet. All right, well, that's an option. You know, so we continued to look around, couldn't find anything. As it turned out, I had like a rain day last week, and I was able to, um, you know, drive around and try to find the scout a little bit more, try to find a feed. And so I was like, well, where should I go? Should I just go like way west? Should I go way east? What should I do? So I just talked to Joel. I decided what well, we kind of decided together. It's like, well, let's just start at let's go take a peek at our field, and uh, just kind of see if anything's moved in. Make the rounds, um, look at all the water around there. See if I can't spot some geese loafing on the ponds. Hopefully, we just have some traffic, and then maybe in the process, I'll find a feed field. That'd be great. So I head out there, head right to the field. You know, don't see anything going on. It's a little kind of early. So I make my rounds and check this pond and this lake and that pond and this lake, and I'm not seeing anything geese on the water. So I kind of make a like big giant loop, and I'm just coming back up to our field from the south, and just as I cross the road, I see a flock of geese coming over the trees from the north. There are about, I don't know, about 50 of them in there. I'm like, oh, well, there's some. I can follow these geese. And they're flying, and they're like, oh, they're on a good path. They're going to go right over the field, so that's good. At least there's traffic over this field. And these aren't migrators, these are kind of the local birds. So that's good. Maybe we'll get some action in the morning if, you know, let's just, I'm going to sit here and see where these go. Well, they kind of started circling a field to the, just to the north of the one we had. And they didn't put down that one. And they made a little hook and then, bloop, right down in the field we have permission for. I was like, well, all right. So it looks like we, uh, I'm like, well, pretty much scouting is done. Like we were planning on just a migrator hunt anyways. And like now we might have some uh, locals to shoot right away in the morning. That's perfect. Um, So, I mean, I did still scout a little bit, but I was feeling pretty good about that one. So headed home and uh, get up super early, load everything up there. Um, I was meeting Joel and Austin. We're going to meet at the field. And um, my buddy Mike came out and then also had uh, Carter from – Carter Photography. I've been hooked up with him on Instagram. We've been talking for a long time. He was going to um, do some, take some photos of our hunts and stuff, which was going to be super cool to get some like really kick ass photos. I was all jacked up for that. So uh, thanks for him for coming out and driving all the way from St. Cloud. That's like crazy. But uh, he was all in. I'm glad. So hopefully we'll continue to work together in the future. But, anyways, so back to the sun. Well, we get to the field, and the thing that you just always hate about this is we show up there, and there's another group in the same field. There's just two guys, um, father and son. And so, you know, we talked to them, and, yep, they got permission. They had talked to the person's wife, so I'm sure there was just miscommunication because we were kind of confident that we weren't going to run into that scenario because the way the guy said – Yeah, nobody's hunting in that field, so you can hunt this one, meaning he doesn't usually give multiple permissions, and he probably didn't. It sounds like they talked to his wife, we talked to him. I'm sure they didn't talk about who's hunting what field. They probably don't give a shit. So, yeah, so anyways, we're we're hunting together, and which is not a big deal. It's just two more guys, right? Just make more friends, new network, big deal. All right, let's hunt together. Well, for one, I'm cranky. I'm cranky already because this whole situation set up. 
And then, I don't know, I'm just getting, like, set in my ways. I guess the way I like to run decoys and the way I like to set things up, I'm getting kind of particular, and I know it's irritating to Joel and Austin. And I would apologize, but I don't apologize because they have their own ways, and they're pretty unapologetic about it. So <laughs> I guess we are all are unapologetic the way we like to run our decoys. And uh, the guys we were hunting with, the, the guys are there, you know, in the field too, definitely were. And uh, so they were setting up the way they wanted to, and it was the – they're reading all the right magazines. I can tell you that because it was the perfect U shape, and we were right in the uh, – right there in the old armpit of the U. Most of the decoys were behind us, which I just think is silly. You know, if you listen to Waterfall Wednesday, or if you have been listening to Waterfall Wednesday, and Nick and I, we share a lot of the same philosophies when it comes to – decoying geese and and i think it makes sense to have the decoys out in front of you i mean the whole point of the decoys right is to attract the geese they're going to go to the decoys so if you want to shoot them in front of you why would you put them behind you that doesn't make any sense to me or way off to the side or whatever I, and i generally don't like to, i my whole thing is especially in a field like this where it was an alfalfa field so we're kind of like we're sticking out i mean we brushed in with grass and we it didn't look terrible but it's still not entirely natural. So if you have all the decoys around you and you're calling when the birds are working, that's effectively going to make them look directly at you. At you, Because not only are they looking at the sound, they're looking at the decoys and, oh, there you are. So, I mean, I guess it probably wouldn't be that big of a problem if nobody moved or nobody had their fate. But, th like, you just open yourself up to extra risk. I mean, this is my opinion, right? This is, this is my strong opinion. And so I was irritated by the decoy spread. <laughs> I didn't start moving decoys. I was threatening, but I didn't. I'm like, whatever. Because so I was already salty. And the other reason I didn't bother, so I'm like, this is going to be a wasted hunt anyways. Because as I'm listening to these two guys talk, they told us that they had hunted this very same field the day before. So the, we actually hunted in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin had been open since the 1st, in case you were wondering. Like, what? They were hunting early before the season opened? No. It was Minnesota opener, but we hunted Wisconsin because that's the access that we had. And uh, so they had hunted the morning before, which is like, well, I mean, I not the worst. They still saw birds land in the field, so there's, there's still a chance, and there's a chance at migrators. They're going to know if, if anybody hunted there. But it, as they talked, it just got worse. <laughs> like They were saying how, like, they should have limited out super early. If they just couldn't hit anything, which tells me that they just shot into a bunch of different flocks, which they, like, burnt the field. I'm surprised that they even chose to hunt that field again. Like, they, they killed the field, pretty much. Like, why would you hunt here again? So that was, like, ugh. I'm surprised that the one flock that did come there came there. And then they said, oh, yeah, there was a flock just like that, probably the same flock they put in that exact same spot. Well, why didn't we set up there? I mean, granted, I wanted to set up where I saw birds land because that makes sense. Um, but they didn't even argue with that. And, yeah, when those birds came in, like, they didn't circle the field or nothing. They went straight to that spot in the field, which was straight behind us. Not like in the decoys behind us, but, like, 100 yards behind us. And they just put down. Like, well, that's sweet. We'll see if they'll work their way around. And they didn't. So, of course, the talk is like, well, we should sneak them, jump them, do whatever. And then, well, let them get comfortable, get relaxed. And then one of the guys that was out there 
with us. Hunter was his name. He went around and he did a right. It's a nice rolling hill kind of field. So he was able to get down and around without them seeing him. And so you kind of came at them from the north and he was like hurting them. He said at one point in time, he's like, I had him at like 20 yards. I could have blasted it. I'm like, well, I don't know why you didn't because if you shoot, they should fly at us the same direction. So anyways, they finally got up, got nervous, and they started flying, and it, they were coming right for us. And it looked like it was going to get real juicy. And, and I don't know if they saw somebody move. I assume they saw somebody move. But, like, right as they kind of got in range, they took a hard left and started veering off. It's like, oh, shit, this is our opportunity. So some of us sat up, spun around, started shooting, and we were able to get two out of there. Thought we dropped another one, but we weren't able to find it. So at least it wasn't a, a total bust. We were able to scratch out a couple geese, but it's not the way you want to do it. You know, they weren't decoying per se. And uh, so we hung out for a little bit longer, and then everybody just kind of pretty much talked themselves out of sticking around for any sort of migration push. And uh, we just packed up and uh, left. And we thought, well, you know what? Plenty of time left. Let's go fishing. So <laughs> we head back and... Uh, I go and I get my boat, and then Joel goes down and they get his boat, and we kind of took our time, you know, we're tired, whatever. And then uh, I head up to the lake and uh, started started doing some fishing. And uh, I don't know, I was just kind of messing around, trying some stuff, and I was able to pick up a couple of real nice smallmouth right away. So I'm like, oh, this is fun. It's not so bad. It's pretty nice ones. And then uh, I got there before Joel and Austin did, and then Joel and Austin finally got there, and then they start fishing and hop down and fish this section where there's some down trees and they clocked them pretty good down there. Went out in the main lake area and tried some spots, nothing. And I don't know, I just had like a hankering for some pan fishing. I hadn't picked up the old Kishler in a while. So um, shout out to Alan Kishler of Kishler Customs. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you hear me rave about this panfish rod that he built me. This thing is just so sweet. Any excuse to use this thing. I just love this rod. So get over the... The cribs, and the first time I found, uh, got over these cribs, they, they weren't really on the cribs. They were, like, relating to them. They were off them, so you had to kind of chase the school around. But once, if you got in the school and, you know, drop it in there, and I was just using, a, like, a 16th-ounce um, jig with a little tube on it, black with a chartreuse tail, and they were clocking it. It was a lot of fun, but then I'd lose the school and have to kind of troll around and find them and get over them, and then... So that was fun, and then I uh, decided to go back up. Uh, oh, no, wanted to go try some other bass spots, so I went did that on the lake. And it just wasn't, I don't know, the lake itself was, like, super green and kind of shitty. And uh, it, had, it was weird, though. There's a, a stretch of docks I was pitching into, and I would just get absolutely clobbered, swing on them, and nothing. And I don't know if it was pike, like, smacking it and not hitting it, or bass were, like, pinning it to the – I don't know what was going on, but, I, like, it was crazy. And, it, like – it wasn't like, oh, there's a bite, and he said, no, like they were crushing it, but somehow not getting a hook in their mouth. I, I don't know what that was like. So went and checked out some other cribs, and that wasn't really going. So I went headed back to the other, the first crib. So I decided, like, you know what? I think I'm gonna keep a few of these crappies, get get a get a little meal going. So I headed back to that first crib because I knew there was fish around there, and. uh well, that was the other thing. I'd found those other cribs, but every time I tr- there was other boats around, and every time I tried to get there, they would just like they would they would just butt in and, and 
fishing. Like they didn't care that I was there. They're just like, and I just don't like fishing like that. I'm not going to share these crips. They're not big enough for two boats. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just go somewhere else. So I tried to find another one and same thing set up again. I was like, screw it. Going back to the first one, which is what I did. Went back there. And now the fish were like actually relating to like, they were on the crib, which made it a lot easier. Cause I had the crib marked. I didn't have to like run around and chase the fish. They were like on top of the crib in the crib. And that was fun. So I was able to pretty quickly put some fish in the, in the live well. I'm like, I don't know. I think I kept about six crappies and a couple of decent gills about that. And then, uh, Light was starting to get a little low in the sky, so decided to go back up and try to catch more bass and and did just that. Then as I was coming up, I was like, oh, try this spot and this spot and this spot, which we hadn't ever really fished. I'm like, years, many, 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 many moons ago, I used to fish these waters, and I, I remember there being some deeper water. It looks like it's super shallow, but I was like, I remember being deeper there. I'm just going to go in there and check, and sure enough, it was deeper and not like super deep, but like three, four feet, which is plenty deep because the fish that I had been finding like on the down trees and stuff were actually pretty shallow when a foot or two. So three, four feet, plenty. So I hadn't really caught that many bass yet. I think I only had like two on my first little attempt and then coming back in, picked up another one, but then it was like, bam, 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 bam. And caught a bunch of really nice ones right before I launched the boat. And there was probably um, I don't know, like three, four pounders, I suppose. And the rest were hovering right there at three. So probably had close to 18 pounds if I was to weigh five, if it was tournament. So that was actually a pretty decent way to finish out. And I got, uh, left the lake a little bit earlier because I wanted to, I had to run back, take care of my dog. And then I was meeting my cousin for some beers and bonfire. And also was going to scout my way for more geese. Cause that's like what we're hoping to do this weekend on my way back up. So that is what I did and didn't find anything. So <laughs> we're like, well, I don't even know what to do tomorrow. So basically I decided to sleep in, which, and then I wake up, which was great. Like I had actually like over nine hours of sleep and I can't even tell you the last time I had over eight, much less to have over nine. So that was actually probably a good decision. Even though every time I do something like that, which is rare, I always still feel like it's a waste. Like missed an opportunity missed opportunity especially when i pull up old snapchat and i see people are actually getting migrators that morning it's like that fucking figures <laughs> but i'm like oh, fuck it. oh well so i was pretty lazy i did get some stuff done around the house um decided to take myself to a movie i went and saw the new marvel movie shang li which is actually it was decent it was fun i had some critiques of it but save that for a later date you guys don't care and then uh, the Minnesota State Fair was going on, the great Minnesota get-together. And I thought, you know what? I'm already halfway there. That's the theater I was at. I was like, I'm going to go to the fair before it's over because it, it ends like Tuesday after Labor Day or whatever. And uh, the cheese curds there are just epic. If if y'all, the people listening to this that aren't from Minnesota or Wisconsin don't, don't understand the Minnesota State Fair, it is something to behold. It is something to experience. And you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you need to go there and you go to, there's a couple different places you can get cheese curds. Fuck all them places. You want to go to the mousetrap. I believe that's what it's called. It's the main one. It's in the main food building. Those are the legit ones. Oh my God. They're so good. So good. 
Uh, but then they have a bunch of other good foods all around the fair, and there's music playing, and there's shops, and people watching is just off the chart. It's like the front butt capital of the world. It's awesome. Um, uh, just the, this is when the freaks come out, man. I swear to God, this is like the one time a year these people leave the trailer park. I don't know. It's 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 amazing. It's just amazing. There's no other way to put it. It's amazing. But the worst case scenario panned out there too, where it's like I just got wow, maybe not the worst case scenario, but I got full super fast. So it's like, well, I came here to eat. Now I can't even eat. And like this this sucks. So, anyways, I decided to I left there and then uh did some more scouting. I ran out like towards uh Foley area, didn't find nothing. Just not seeing anything. Lots of cranes. But no geese. So again, here comes Monday, Labor Day rolling around. Still don't have a good anything to do. And so uh, Mike had went scouting. He didn't really find anything. We had some options. We're like, well, should we just set up, see what happens? Um, you know, there's some local traffic around. Let's just set a giant spread and see if we can pull something. So we thought about that, and nobody was feeling like super confident. It's like, oh, or we could just fish, and like everybody was just like super indecisive. Even Mike's like, you know, and I don't even like if we just scrap the whole thing. I'm fine with sleeping in again. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Let me talk to Joel. So I called Joel. We kind of him and out. He's super un undecisive as well. And so basically, we're like, ah, screw it. Let's just sleep in a little bit. and We'll go fishing again. Which what we do. And again, wake up to people shooting migrators. <laughs> so it's just proof positive, right? You got to be out there. You just <sighs> trying to find a feed field or trying to find this great, awesome field, this Shangri-La. It's like, you know, sometimes you just got to take a chance, set some decoys out and give it a shot. I mean, you don't have to be so extreme like Nick J and set up into a prairie and like try to decoy birds to the most unlikely place possible just to say that you did it uh however there is something you said about just running traffic somewhere so that was pretty much it for our goose hunting we had two all weekend long and meanwhile heinz is over there he shot like 100 well not personally but the group like 102 birds for two days and seven bands or just something ridiculous like uh, it's just absurd he was smashing them again today just not fair but um, anyway, so I go fishing again, and um, we went to Chisago and uh, putzed around there for a little bit, caught a couple, nothing too crazy. And uh, then it was time to head back, so I was going to, I told my cousin I'd take him and his kid fishing. So I dropped Austin off and had lunch, ran up and fished with them. I was able to catch some more bass, and I brought them over to more crappie spot because they wanted to keep some fish to eat. And uh, we managed to put a few more crappies in the box and kind of repeated. Then they're like, well, let's fish for bass on our way back to landing. Got a few more. And uh, then it was dark. Launched the boat. And uh, that was Labor Day weekend. So all in all, like I had a really good weekend. Caught some like real nice smallies. And uh, just had a ball fishing panfish. Like, I don't know. I was just I was just in the mood. And so two things, like in fishing for bass and panfish, like really kicked in some things that are coming up. So first of all, I started thinking about the ice fishing tournaments, which is a little early. I mean, it just like started fall and here I am thinking about ice fishing, but 
I like to do some open water scouting, although it's a little early for that too. Like that, the time to do that scouting is like right before everything ices up. So, because where you find these schools is probably where they're going to be once the ice is there. So that was thinking about that. But what it really got me fired up for, and I'm kind of glad I did end up going bass fishing, is we have the last two events for um, my club, the Luton State Bassmasters, coming up this weekend. And we're doing something kind of fun this year, which we haven't done. We're basically doing, like, mystery lakes. <clears throat> so nobody has time to scout or pre-fish or anything. And we picked a general – everybody put a general area in the state in a hat, and we drew it out, and we drew Deer River area. It's kind of between Grand Rapids and, you know, like, Leech Lake area, somewhere in between there. And so we're just going to – we're going to go up there. Uh, the club, we rented out some cabins at a resort, and – uh it's just going to be a ton of fun to hang out and do some fishing. And so we don't know where we're fishing. So Friday night, we're just going to uh, all meet up. Everybody will throw lake names in a hat, and we'll pull it out. And that's where we're fishing in the morning. So it's just going to be who can put the puzzle together the fastest. And uh, we'll do it again for Sunday. we a different lake and uh, go from there. Like, it's just I'm pumped. Like, I'm pumped up for it. I'm behind the eight ball because I missed the, two, the first two events. So I got a big zero. Um, saw it, but I did take a first place in the Mississippi and a second place. Uh, but I believe Noah has two first place already, so I'm sure he's in the lead, and I th- think he's got points from the first two as well. So I, I basically, I think I have to like run the table. I think I pretty much have to win. Um, I think I need to win out <laughs> to get enough points to like take angle of the year. And I don't even know. Maybe I can't even do it. I don't know. I have to see the standings. I have to look at the math, but. It'll be fun, um, even if that doesn't happen. I'm gonna give it my go, best best go, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. Like I'm just, I'm really looking forward to fishing some lakes that I've probably never fished before, and just, I think that's just a really good exercise to go pick a lake you've never been on and you have no previous knowledge of it. Just go and uh, read the water and put your skill set to the test and see if you can find them. Find, see if you can find five big ones. So really, really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So that was my weekend. There's your the recap. How'd everybody else do? Feel free to go on to um, the Full Scale Outdoors Facebook group page and uh, post up your hunting pictures and that. And uh, keep sending in ideas for a rant, stuff like that. I, I love that. people. You guys have been responding very well to that. Keep those coming. Because uh, that really helps me kind of plan out the show. And I love seeing your guys' pictures, too. You know, feel free to tag Full Scale Outdoors and just your own personal whatever. It's it's fun. I like I like seeing what everybody else out there is doing, and I like the interaction. Um, it lets me know y'all are listening, and, uh, and I appreciate it. So let's get to this week's rant. <clears throat> um, I saw something that was just disgusting. Okay, before I get into this this actual like issue and it's a big issue um i just want to like selfishly rant about something and that is (sighs) ramp etiquette you know someone had mentioned earlier like gave me an idea for rant was like you know kayaks at boat launches what's my opinion on that and i and i ran through that and i was like well it's just kind of common courtesy right like the same boat ramp courtesy don't get your stuff ready right there at the ramp blah, blah 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 right well definitely don't need to demonize kayakers because people with boats are stupid enough, right? So the two lakes, the 
two times I went fishing had just stupid things happen at the same landing. So the first time, it's like, how can you chew up a two, like a double landing? I'm going to launch my boat, and here a guy is putting their boat on the trailer. He boats up to the one dock, ties up. Wife sits in the boat while he goes and gets the trailer, right? No big deal. I mean, he was on the landing side. Generally, you should hold your boat on the non-landing side. That way, if anybody else comes, like they can still use the landing. But there wasn't a line or anything, so it wasn't a big deal. It was just them pretty much. So I would have been able to just do my thing on the other, the other landing. Except for which landing do you think he backed his trailer down? That's right, the other one. So he effectively used the entire launch. And, of course, it was like a walleye boat so with rollers, and he was just, like, took forever to crank it up and get, like, oh, my God. It's just that shit is so irritating. <sighs> so, anyways, he finally moves out. Then I'm able to launch. Of course, it takes me, like, two minutes, blah, 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 I'm on my way. So then two days later, same freaking lake, here comes a guy. He's launching his boat. So what does he do? Does he do the same thing? No. He finds a different way to chew up the entire launch. And he is backing his boat down. Or was he coming out or going in? I can't remember. I think he was coming out. Right smack dab down the middle of both ramps. Two docks. If, if you had stretched a tape measure, I guarantee you he would have been dead nut center of that thing. And there was a line, and nobody could – we just had to wait for him. And, of course, anybody that is that inconsiderate generally is less skillful. I mean, I'm stereotyping here, but I know also I'm not wrong. So they bumble-fucked around and took forever to get, get out of there. <sighs> so irritating. Then there was a guy, he had already pulled out, and I was kind of pulling up. I'm like, oh, that's – that's how you take up a whole ramp right there. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'll move. I'm like, no, no, no. He thought I was talking about him because he was up a little. He could have pulled up a little bit farther, but he was fine. I was like, I, I was able to work around that. Not a big I'm like, oh, no, not you. I'm talking about this guy taking up the whole launch, like right in the middle. I was just shaking my head, just like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. So I was able to launch, caught some fish, swallow well, no, no blood, no foul. But that shit just fucking irritates me. So if you're a novice boat owner, and a ramp user, just keep this in mind. You get your stuff ready before you go get in line. You know, get your straps unhooked, plug in the boat, all that stuff. Don't, if there are two slots, don't use them both. Don't do what the first people did. Don't park your boat on the one and then back your trailer down on the other. It, it, it's just kind of like have some general situational awareness. Like, why would you do that? You're chewing up two slots. And then for sure, don't go straight down the middle. I mean, these are things I feel like I shouldn't have to tell people, but apparently I do. I'm assuming most people listen to this show, know what they're doing, so I'm probably not talking to you, and I'm just bitching to bitch. It's my show. I get to do it. So that's like not my real rant. I just need to get that off my chest because I was super fucking irritated. <sighs> okay, moving on. So the real issue, and this is a real problem. So apparently I saw on the the Book of Face out in Green Lake and Spicer, Minnesota, 
um, people were finding smallmouth bass floating and washed up on shore that had their like gills cut or like belly cut. It's like what in the shit? And I guess there had been a walleye tournament out there. So I start reading these comments, and you're getting a bunch of other people um, chiming in about, yeah, they talked to this guy and this guy, and they're like, all oh, the walleyes, I, I ain't wasting $3 red-tailed chubs, and these stupid bass are just a nuisance. And they're literally killing them and throwing them back. And these aren't little smallmouth. These are big smallies. What in the actual fuck? I probably don't have a ton of walleye guys listen to this. I know I got a few guys that listen to my show, and I dog on walleye fishing all the time. And it's all tongue-in-cheek just because I personally find, like, trolling and lindy rigging and shit like that super boring. So I like to just give shit. Like, I don't care what you do, dude. Do you like to troll for walleyes? You knock yourself out. Have fun. Like, when I rip on walleye guys, it's all in chess. It's all in fun. However, if there are actual people out there, and I believe this to be a true statement, what they are saying, you are a huge fucking problem. And if I hope you're actually listening to this. I hope somebody that listens to my show is actually that guy so I can bitch at you. Who the fuck do you think you are that your hobby trumps everybody else? You're the wake boat owner of the fishing world. You're that inconsiderate. Oh, the bass are inconveniencing you? Oh, I'm so fucking sorry. You're going to kill them? You're literally going to poach? I mean, that that sucks. And I feel bad for all the other walleye anglers out there that are, you know, not that way, which I assume is the vast majority of, of, of y'all, if I might use some southern lingo. Uh... I have to assume that most people are not this way. But there's enough bad seeds out there that it's time for you guys, you guys that are fishing walleye tournaments, keep your eyes and ears open. Because douchebags like this, they also like to brag about it. Because they'll wear it like a fucking badge of honor. Here's what you should know if you are that guy. If you were those guys that do that. You're on the DNR radar now. There's an open case looking for you fuckers right now and god do i hope they catch you and i hope they strip you of your fishing rights for a while i hope you have to pay a massive fine for a while because that kind of behavior you do not deserve you do not deserve to be on the water with the rest of the sportsmen out there You are taking advantage of a resource. You're stealing from me. That's what you're doing. You're stealing from me, and you're stealing from other people that put into that resource. And yeah, they're your fish too. But when you kill them, and you don't eat them, and they're getting in the way of your walleyes, you're stealing. You are stealing from everybody else. It's completely selfish, completely irresponsible, and you're hurting the entire sport of fishing because if the wrong people catch wind of this, and it makes like the news, like this would be something that Dennis Anderson from the Star Tribune would f- fucking run with, because that prick as an outdoor writer, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how he is still the outdoor writer, because I think he doesn't like the outdoors, because every article he writes is negative and shits on everybody. So if he catches wind of something like this, you can imagine the black eye that's going to give to tournament fishing. 
And people that don't understand catch and release fishing already have a problem with tournaments. You're not helping, dude. You're shooting yourself in the foot. You're shooting yourself in the foot the same time you're fucking the rest of us. I got zero patience for you. I got zero nice things to say about you. You are a piece of shit. Bottom line, end of story. You have no sound argument. You have no ground to stand on. I would love to meet you in a bar. I would love to verbally tear you apart face-to-face. It would be such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Because you're worse than an anti. You're literally worse than an anti-fisherman or an anti-hunter or an environmentalist or an animal lover, tree hugger. You're so much worse. Got no time for it. So if anybody out there is listening, if you know who these jack wagons are, I implore you to call the DNR. Turn these fuck faces in. I don't care if they're your brother, son, cousin, step. I don't, I don't care. If you know who they are, um, they need to be brought to justice. This is some bullshit. And in general, and I guess, and this is kind of spilled over, and it's not just that lake. Apparently, this is kind of a... A walleye sentiment. Some guys were talking about they ran in some people down on the on the river when we had the TUC down there. Some walleye guys were, were doing it. It's like, oh, my God, you got to be shitting me. Like, you got to be shitting me. It's just unreal. I can't believe people do that. It's bad enough you got the, the, the old antiquated thing when people catch, like, a dogfish or a sucker or a carp. You know, they're like, oh, it's – and you still hear this to this day. I remember hearing this when I grew up. It's like, oh, it's against the law to, to release those back in the water. No, it is not. It's actually considered wanton waste, and if caught, you are going to pay a fine. In general, if you catch a fish and you're not going to keep it, just let it go. Don't cut its belly. Don't cut its throat. Don't do any of that kind of douchebag shit. Just let it go, dude. Just let it go. (sighs) I can't let it go. (laughs) I'm not going to let this one go. That one's going to burn me for a while. So I'm going to keep tabs on that, and uh, hopefully... Quickly, I get to read a story and do a follow-up about how they bust these guys and throw the absolute book at them. Oh, I hope these guys get just everything they got coming to them. I want, like, to the extent of the law, I want these guys to get fucked so bad. All right, so that is your weekend recap and rant. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to follow me on all your social medias. The Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Snapchats, and even on TikTok, but I don't really do much on there. Try to be better about that, but let's be honest, I'm not. So, <laughs> so that's that. All right, everybody, be safe out there. Send in your pictures. I want to hear all about it. Stay tuned. Wish me luck for my tournament this weekend. I need to do really well. And uh, that's all I got for you. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale.